0: You can turn in the Word of God to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. They say it's good to see those of you here this evening. And as you turn in the Word of God, uh, there's a card here I will place in the book room uh, sent from our Sister Cam's brother, just expressing appreciation to everyone that helped her in her time of sickness. So there's some very appreciative thoughts that he includes there, and is uh, full of gratitude for your service as the body of Christ. So I'll leave it in the book room, you can read it, and we uh, trust the Lord will bless him as well. With the Word of God open before us, and we will uh, be giving some remarks, some relation for prayer as well, some of our missionaries that I will just highlight also, but we want to pray for our meeting tonight, so let's bow before the Lord and look for his help. Father, we have been reminded this evening already of the way in which we come into your presence, that we have Jesus, the great high priest of the people of God, who ever lives to make intercession for us. And as we come this evening, we pray that we might know the efficacy and the power of our high priest interceding on our behalf. We desire blessing, and there's not one of us has power to bring down blessing. It must be bestowed freely by the hand of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, there at the Father's right hand, we we would ask that Thou would pray most specifically for our assembly here tonight, and command blessings upon us freely, that we would be even overwhelmed, that God has seen fit. Our testimony would be that God has done exceeding abundantly above what we can even ask or think. You know the need of every heart, Lord. You know everyone that's broken and those that are weary, those that are tired and those that are needing guidance as they face the the mysteries and the challenges of life. I pray that there would be clarity and help given, as we think specifically of our missionaries tonight, that you will help us as well to pray for them. There may be one of them, maybe even more than one of them, that is struggling this very hour, and they need upheld. They're broken. They're sobbing. No one knows about it. They put on a brave face and they carry on, but their hearts are heavy. And Lord, I pray, lift them up tonight and strengthen their hands for the work you've called them to. So be with us, cleanse us from sin, wash us in the blood of Christ, renew a right spirit within us, give us true praise unto God, and may we know the enjoyment of the Lord tabernacling with us and being amidst the candlestick to bless his own dear people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen just before we look at the Word of God to highlight from our prayer bulletin, so keep these things in mind as we come to pray. Um, We encourage you, if you're not in the habit as yet of reading over the prayer bulletin, they're available. Um, There's a different one every month, uh, one that relates to our churches in general and one that relates to our missionaries, not every church writes in every month, not every missionary writes in every time, as our sister uh, Judy Brown is well aware, uh, amidst her appeals for uh, last chance cries to get the reports in. It doesn't always happen, but there are certainly a number that do, and they, they write in and give a brief overview of how things are going. So some of you that may be new, especially, uh, and you're not aware of of the various works that we support and we pray for and that we look to help in whatever way we can from a distance, this gives you uh, an overview of it. And some things you'll not know, but over time you build a picture. And then in the providence of God, you may get to meet some of these individuals at times. So the work in Jamaica continues to face great struggles relating to COVID and restrictions there. I'll not deal with the Dominican Republic uh, or Mexico City specifically. there are certainly needs there as well, but I want to just review a couple of things. Some encouragements, really. Um, Marcus Reyes. Uh, Marcus, we have some affiliation with this dear brother, and he's in Orazaba, uh, in kind of the east of Mexico. And uh, he, he's encouraging here, uh, giving a cur- encouraging report in relation to salvation. Mentions one particular man and his wife and their two children after after hearing the gospel at the funeral of a family member, have sought the Lord, and they were baptized. So that's encouraging to hear, and I think there's been a number going by what he said that have sought the Lord in recent days. Also encouraging, report, the the small work of our brother Miloš uh, Schultz in Czech Republic. Uh, Another conversion there, someone that I mentioned last time, a girl, Laura, and she has been coming to the church services after the children's camp, and when Milosh spoke to her about her soul about a month back, she says she prayed for God to save her. So there's conversion there as well, which is very encouraging. And then um, just an update for those who are not aware, uh, the needs of the school that they want to start in Monrovia, Liberia, Uh, That's been delayed for a year, if you're not aware of that. But uh, due to the building is being, uh, there's a new building being built um, that just was going to make it impossible for them to use that for the school. So they see the hand of the Lord in it. It gives another year for Joanne to make preparation in relation to uh, uh, curriculum and other material needs for the school as they begin there. So uh, she is now in uh, Northern Ireland, spending some time in furlough. So do pray for that building because they may end up not able to meet as church either, although Brother Dave says that um, they're coming into the dry season, so they should be able to hold meetings outside if that is what happens. So uh, pray for these ones. Um, Noreen also in Uganda, uh, Noreen McAfee, she prays for uh, really the support of the teachers and the staff and the students of the school Um, Some of the children have not been in school physically for 18 months, and many of them are discouraged. And, of course, this all relates to the pandemic and what is going on there. I think that's all. There are other things there, certainly, that you may pray for. But I was encouraged, especially there, Marcus, Milos, and souls being saved there. It's very encouraging to read of that, as well as the, the ongoing needs in Liberia and Uganda So just keep keep these things in mind and others as we come to pray tonight and bear these missionaries before the Lord um, regularly as they come to mind. But Psalm 28 is where we are tonight before we pray. And as we have the Word of God open at the 28th Psalm, we'll take time to read all of this psalm. Psalm 28, a psalm of David. There are times when life is rough even for a man of great privilege and gifting. And David here reflects that burden of his heart at the time. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert, because they regard not the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, And lift them up forever. I want to draw your attention this evening to a little phrase you have at the very end of the psalm, the last verse, where the prayer of David is summarized in this way Bless thine inheritance. Bless thine inheritance. It's the only time we actually have these words in the scripture in this format. Of course, there are references to the inheritance of the Lord and God's blessing upon his inheritance or his people, but this is the only time you'll have it in this particular format. And and David is longing for this. As a man that knows the struggles of life and he reflects upon those struggles and his need for God's intervention in his circumstances, so he's aware that he is not the only one that feels the challenges of living in this world. He knows how hard it can be. He feels it in his own experience all of the time. And so as he is able to record here, verse 6, Blessed be the Lord because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. That was his concern. His concern was that God would hear him. And if God didn't hear him, then he would be, of course, like one that doesn't know the Lord. God being silent, God not responding, God not coming to his cry, and he longs, in verse 2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. So he has received the answer for which he sought. The Lord has heard the voice of his supplications, and, and evidently then he has known this in some tangible, evident way. The longings of his heart, the intervention that he sought from the Lord, has come to pass, and he is rejoicing in this. He has many enemies. They attack him. They bring him down there are all sorts of trials that he faces, but but when he knows that the Lord has heard the voice of his supplications, he is brought to great peace and joy. And he testifies of what then ought to be the offering of the people of God. He is a strength, our shield. He testifies that he is helped because he trusts in him. And so his heart greatly rejoices, his song arises to this God. But then he offers this prayer. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Bless them, Lord. And of course, he recognizes that though he be one that others look to, he is the king, he is the one in authority, he has power, he is influence, he is much that is at his disposal, and yet he cannot bless the Lord's inheritance. He is limited. And in what he prays here, in this prayer of blessing, it really is likened to the desire of a shepherd. Save thy people, feed them also, lift them up forever, carry them along forever. And when you read the word blessing which really summarizes this, Bless thine inheritance. You think about when you first find this word in the Bible. Of course, it's found in Genesis chapter 1, when the Lord speaks to the creatures in verse 22, that they would be blessed, be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Language like this to the creatures, and then, of course, to man as well. And what's interesting about that blessing, and this kind of gives you an insight into largely how to understand the term, it comes from the Lord. But when you read, in fact, just go there so you can see it, um, in case you don't follow. And the preacher sometimes isn't always as clear as he needs to be, so it's best to have the Scriptures open before you. Verse 22, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas Let the fowl multiply in the earth. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And you ask this question, when it says in verse, whether it's verse 22 or specifically verse 28 as it relates to us, is it something that we... Fulfill or is it something God fulfills? In the sense of, is God blessing them in spite of them? Or is he also giving them a command that they must fulfill? And when you read it, God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. There's clearly a sense of command in it. But there's also then the sense of blessing that it's coming from the Lord. And of course, this, this really is a theme throughout Scripture that God gives means that we are to give ourselves to, but never trust in those means. Never make them the the object of arrest. And so in His blessing, when He blesses His people, He often is bringing to pass favor as they do what He's called them to do. And so in understanding blessing, there are aspects of it that of course are completely uh, separate from us and what Christ does for us in all His work, but even in our enjoyment of that, there are things like can the believer really know rest that does not commune with Christ? Can the believer know joy that never sings unto God? Can we know contentment if we do not offer thanksgiving? And I think the general tenor of Scripture shows that these things are kept from us because the God who, who can give the blessing also appointed the means by which they are enjoyed. And so being blessed has within it also the fulfillment of the things He calls us to do. And so when He says, bless thine inheritance, when this is the prayer, it's not just something that comes regardless of how they live. It is, favor them as they do what you've called them to do. And this is is the kind of favor we want. We don't want God's favor on us to not do what we're meant to do. We want to be enabled to do what we are called to do and in turn know the blessing of the Lord. So let's look at this in the way that this prayer is surrounded. Save thy people, feed them also, lift them up forever. First, they are to be blessed with salvation. Save thy people. This is what they need. They need to be saved. They need to be saved. This is the repeated theme of Scripture. It comes up all of the time in the book of Psalms. And often in the book of Psalms, what you find is the psalmist actually calls for God to save himself. Save me, O Lord. Save me. And you think, well, well, is the psalmist not a believer? Is he not already saved? Why then would he pray for salvation? And the reason, of course, is because there's more to just that salvation that is seen primarily and solely in our justification, that is, us being made right before God, there's more to it than that. And it is contained even in that prayer of our Lord Jesus when he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Save us from evil. Save us from evil. And so when he's praying for the people of God, yes, we can think of it in the sense that they need to be, have their sins forgiven. They need to be reconciled to God. They need to have those sins washed away. They need to know what it is to, to be, a, be a child of God, truly and meaningfully. But it still applies after conversion. They need to be saved. Saved from themselves. Saved from the enemy who tempts them and seeks to destroy them. They need to be saved. And so he prays, save thy people. As I say, all this language here is, is really reflective of the heart of a shepherd who is looking for that Salvation that the wandering sheep so desperately need. And we it would be great. It would be great that once we're saved we stop our wandering ways. It would be great if we just stayed beside the green pastures and the still waters and we're right near to where we must always be, and we feed where we must feed, and we enjoy what we must enjoy, and and our focus is always glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Obeying all that he commands. But that's not your experience. It is not your experience to live through life without attacks, temptations, challenges, difficulties. So some of you here tonight, you may know exactly what it's like to feel the power of temptation. Maybe in very recent times. What do you need? You need to be saved. Yes, again, don't misunderstand me. Not that you need to be justified again. For those that are in Christ, there's no condemnation to them ever. And nothing can separate them from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But you need this ongoing, if I use the word deliverance, does that help carry the sense of it? You need delivered. Deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil that comes by means of temptation. Deliver us from the power of the tempter. Deliver us from these ongoing lusts within the flesh. Deliver us as there's this battle that I face where the good that I do, I do not. And the evil that I would do that, he, he does not. There's this challenge that we feel in our hearts And so he's praying, save thy people. Save thy people. The battle is not over, child of God. This life is warfare. You have to put on every day the whole armor of God. You have to face it. You have to stand. You need to wrestle and fight and pray and trust and depend. And therefore the king prays, save thy people. And yes, yes, this is our Lord Jesus praying praying it for you. He is. He's praying it for you. Save you, yes, save you initially in your experience salvation, but to save you amidst life's trials. Peter, Satan has desired to sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. He's praying salvation for Peter. Save him. Save him. Now, you feel the warfare. You do. You feel it. You feel the challenge. And this king prayed for his people, save thy people. And our Lord Jesus, he prays the same. As he sits enthroned, he prays, save. Save them. That's why you haven't fallen away. That's why you're here. He's praying for your Ongoing deliverance. So they are to be blessed with salvation. This is what Jesus prays. But also, they are to be blessed with provision. Bless thine inheritance, feed them also. Feed them also. Yes, save them, but don't just leave them in that condition. They need fed, they need provision. Yes, we, we, we need this, don't we? We constantly need to be feeding. And when you think of this, you think of various aspects of feeding. First of all, when, you're, when, when a people are to feed, they are to, they, they first must have an appetite. It's an awful thing whenever people don't have an appetite. I was talking just today to someone about this. We were, Reflecting upon 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Of course, this is talking to believers. This is addressing believers. But implicit in it, contained in it, desire the sincere milk of the word. The question arises, if there's a lack of desire, are you even a newborn babe? Is there life there? Is there life there? And there are are many people, there are all sorts of people that live and they exist within the church and they say they are Christians and they they, they, they show some measure of interest at at times and at junctures, but really they, they do not have an appetite. They do not possess an appetite for Christ. They do not possess an appetite for the things that feed the soul, that delight the soul, that are not merely the material of this life, but show us the glories of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. There's no interest. You preach the Word to them, they're not really interested in the Word. They're interested in their own felt needs. They're interested in their own material needs. They're interested in everything that it relates to. The here and now, physical, material, financial, everything. but, But, no, desire the sincere milk of the Word. So people must have an appetite. So here, even in this, feed them also, I would suggest to you, when he's praying, feed them also. There is in that, oh, give, give your people a hunger. Give them an appetite. Let them come to the, to the temple with this sense of longing and desire. Let them feel the emptiness of, of life without God. Let them sense the vanity of this world and all that it promises that seems so lofty and so satisfying. But but we have to then testify, I've tried the broken cisterns and the waters failed. We tried to drink from broken cisterns that can hold no water. Yeah, that's all that the devil offers. He offers cisterns and you think there's something in them and then you find out they can hold no water. They can't satisfy So Jesus spoke to that woman, that poor woman, at the well. She was coming to get water at the heat of the day, coming to get water at the time when no one else was near the well. She, she's getting there, she's going there because of shame for her sin. There, there's a sense of, of all that you know, people say about her. Thou hast had five husbands and the one that you're with is not your husband. I mean, I mean, and she can sense all of that, I imagine, She has needs. She has to have water every day. So she times it when she anticipates no one else will be there. But Jesus is there, for he must needs go through Samaria. And there's more to that than just the fact that he was making his trip through that way He had an appointment. Yes, and he sends his disciples away because they would interfere and they wouldn't be helpful. And You know what it's like. Sometimes you can't really get to the the root of someone's needs until everyone else is away. Sometimes you can't do any meaningful evangelism until it's just one-on-one. It's just you and them. And Jesus talks to her and He says that the water that I give, if you have that water, you will never thirst again. She's longing for it. She's tried. She's tried all the wells that the world can offer. So we need appetite. We do. We want to constantly. You had an appetite the night you got saved. You did. You had an appetite that exceeded your appetite for anything else. All that once was appealing, all that the world was offering, all of a sudden it did not mean more to you than that appetite that needed to be satisfied and you could you realize it was only going to be satisfied in Christ. And you need, that, you need that constantly child of God. You need that same experience over and over and over again. Because the world comes in, and it promises so much, and your heart gets lukewarm, and your interests dull, and the sharp edge of your love for Christ gets dulled, and you're just drifting. You're just drifting. We've all been there. We've all been there. And all oh, to have that interest, that interest, that, that appetite. So it's not just feed them, but a people that want to be fed. So give the people an a- appetite. That's, that would be here. But also give the means to feed. Feed them also. There, there, there's means, Lord. There are means that you use to feed them. Oh, how I, I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. You come on the Lord's day needing fed, and you need fed far more than you even realize or I realize. You have have, have problems and trials and burdens and cares and sins and besetting sins and things that are in the past and things that are in the future, and you need to be fed. And He gives means. He's given us His Word. It's an awful thing to neglect it. Are you neglecting it? Is anyone here neglecting the Word? Neglecting the very means whereby God strengthened you, isn't it, isn't it? There's always a correlation. There's always a correlation. I'm starting to doubt. I'm struggling in my faith. Are you really reading the Word of God? Are you reading it devotionally? Are you reading it as the Word of God? Or are you reading it critically? Are you reading it just for the sake of reading it? Are you reading it as if Almighty God Himself is speaking through it? And He reveals His Son in it. There's a difference. That it's just as Jesus said when He said, take heed not just to hear, take heed how you hear, so it is, take heed how you read. So there are means. Of course, the Word is that which we feed upon, and He gives he gives pastors, He gives preachers. And we, we, we read Jeremiah 3.15, we read it, we're challenged by it, but we also pray over it. What the Lord says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's the need, knowledge and understanding. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. And so there's a lack of people to actually give what they need. They're not feeding. Oh, beloved, pray for me and pray for the students. And pray for more that are equipped and enabled to feed. And then give growth from the feeding. That, of course, is a desire, isn't it? That they would grow. Feed them also. Feed. Feed them also. Not just feed for the sake of the experience of the feeding. Right? You know, that's, that's you know, people who live to eat rather than eat to live. And we can all be guilty there at times. And, uh, well, less said there the better. But... It's not just for the experience of it, is it? It ought not to be. It ought not to be. It is for growth. Feed them also. Feed them also. Take them on, Lord. Take them on. Don't, Don't stay where you are, Christian. Don't stay where you are. Go on. There is much more ground yet to be possessed in your heart, in your life. You haven't yet fulfilled all that God might do through you. And if that was the case, you'd be gone. You'd be glorified already. There's more sanctification, more application of your gifts, more encouragements to offer. One other Christian that just needs to hear a word from you, a word fitly spoken, a word in season to the heart, that you can offer something that might even exceed all the blessing I endeavor to give on one Lord's Day to the next. Feed them. Feed your people, Lord. Give them growth. And sometimes sometimes you can do everything that you're meant to be doing and yet you're not growing. It sometimes happens even with, with, with living creatures, living organisms. We seem to be feeding, but, but there's no growth. There's a problem in the digestive system. There's other issues in the body. And I thought about it. It doesn't deal with feeding in Haggai chapter 1, but that sense of uh, vanity of, of trying to do something and getting nowhere. <coughs> in Hebrew, or Haggai 1 verse 6, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, and you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, and there's none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. And you see this, this, this vanity. They're trying to satisfy everything that they can, but there, there's no satisfaction. Everything they do seems to be in vain. And this is because the blessing of the Lord is not upon the actual means. That's what I say. The means are important. God ordains the means. But He must bless. He must bless. Give growth from the feeding. Feed them also. Finally, they are to be blessed with preservation. Lift them up forever. Yes. Oh, blessed perseverance of the saints. Yes, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that same shepherd that finds the lost sheep, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing and he carries it all the way home. All the way home. He doesn't carry it for part of the way and then say, okay, off you go. You can, you can do the rest. He carries it the whole way up. Lift them up. Carry them forever, Lord. That's, that's what they need. Oh, David knows how weak they are because he's he's one of the strongest there, and he's weak. He's one of the mightiest men in the land. He's a man after God's own heart, and he needs lifted up. That's what he's been longing for. So we come to pray, beloved. This is this is the this is the the the, the season. Every week we come we come to pray. Save us, Lord. Feed us, Lord. That's what we're doing. We're doing we're, we pray for, We pray for lost souls, for their salvation. We pray for the feeding of the people of God, that when we gather on the Lord's Day and all the other ministries of the church actually have a feeding influence, and that it has this preserving influence. We gather here. He holds us as we gather here. He lifts us up forever, and that's what we pray. We pray it for ourselves. We pray it for each other. This is what we need. It's an awful thing to to watch people not go on with God. Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Yes, they, they show their true colours by and by. Because we need to be held up by the Lord. And he does hold us up. I can't, I can't deal with the devil for for one minute. If I'm on my own with the devil for a minute, I'm, I've had it. And we're all the same. Lift them up. Lift them up. All oh, lift them up. The Lord Jesus would see those circumstances you're in that are... That are Skewing your thinking and, and causing great grief and breaking your heart and weighing you down and making you get despondent. You'd see all of that, and, and the prayer is that, that He will lift you up. Lift you up. He lift you up. It came to mind as I was giving the lecture today, just wasn't intentional, wasn't part of my notes, but just thinking of how, how, how Paul quotes. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, perhaps the greatest chapter of the Bible which speaks of our our security. Alright, there's no condemnation, that's verse 1. And he goes all the way down, nothing will separate us. And he quotes from Psalm 44. And he quotes particularly from Psalm 44, where the psalmist is longing, he is longing that God would, would come and deliver them, as he had delivered their fathers. Our fathers have told us the things that thou didst for them, and so on and so forth. And he's crying, do it again, Lord. And he says, we're like sheep led to the slaughter, like lamb to the slaughter. And David quotes that in Romans chapter 8. And you think, why? Why is he quoting that? What relevance is that, God? The relevance is this, that such is that, Christological understanding of our security and of the victory through Jesus Christ that no matter what happens we're in him that even though we are led as lambs to the slaughter even though we are destroyed in this world still still the victory is ours through Christ nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ that should be enough to put us on a platform of victory we're blessed we are blessed Yes, bless thine inheritance. We're a blessed people, beloved. We are. Let's ponder over it. Let's pray. And let's look to the Lord who will yet bless us even more. For Christ's sake.